Success is not prosperity. That's achievement. True prosperity is when you have achievement, but you're fulfilled. Achievement is a science. You can be smart, good at something, understand a matter, solve a big problem, and have financial wealth, but that doesn't bring fulfillment. Fulfillment is an art. Fulfillment is what stirs your passion. Fulfillment is what fills your tank. Fulfillment is not the what or the how. Fulfillment is the why you do what you do and have what you have. And everything we all have right now is the standard we currently live in. So God's will is for you to thrive. Let me show you. Here's what it says in the Passion Translation. <clears throat> A thief has only one thing in mind. How many of you know the devil is the thief? He wants to steal, slaughter, which is kill, murder, and destroy. Jesus said this, but I have come, what? To give you everything. Somebody say everything. Everything in abundance. That means health. That means relationships. That means energy. That means finances. That means resources. That means dreams, visions, ideas, opportunities. Must I go on? More, look now, here's where I'm challenged. More than you can expect. So whatever more is to you, it ain't enough. Whatever it is, whatever it is in your life, God wants you to expect what? What? So whatever I expect is the limit. But when I realize greater is he who is in me, than he who's in this world. Whatever I have in me is greater than what's going on around me, but if I don't apply it, I can't thrive in it. So it says, I have come to you to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Look now, life to its fullest. What's it talking about? That's talking about your physical life, your spiritual life, your financial life, your ministry life, your anointing life. Every aspect of your life, he said, to the fullness, until you, what? Overflow. Until you overflow. Overflow with the goodness. Overflow with the purpose. Overflow with the plan of God. Now, God's will is for you to thrive. Thrive how? To life in its fullness to overflow. Here's the key. That's telling you what. Remember, whoever has the answer why, the people that know the what and the how work for them. The one that knows the why is usually the leader or should be. So what I want you to realize, I just told you what Jesus t- said was yours. But if you don't understand the why, you're not going to rewrite your story. If you don't understand the why, you won't have the passion to rise up. You see, it takes passion to to reach your purpose. But you got to realize your purpose is way more than anything you could ever dream or imagine on your own. It's your purpose didn't come from this planet. And whatever plans you have, they're not big enough. So let's talk about your why for a minute. Why does God want me to thrive? Why is it his will for me to thrive. Now, let's look at what we're talking about thriving in being here now. 
We're talking about it uh, being the condition of being successful and thriving, to be prosperous. And we're talking about to flourish, to grow vigorously, and to prosper. So that's what we're talking about, right? And, and to what? Push through even when the circumstances are tough, to be successful through that, right? So here, look at Galatians 6.4. Galatians 6.4, and let's look at the message translation. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are. Explore who you are. If you never expect more of yourself, there's nothing to check out. If you never dream about something greater in you and for you and for others, there's nothing to explore. If you have no expectancy in your life for relationships, for health, for winning people to the kingdom, for loving the unloved and winning the lost, what is there to explore? You see, God's will, he said in uh, 3 John 2, what did he say? He said that, uh, the, word, the word says, uh, that I pray that uh, you prosper even as your soul prospers. God's desire is for you to prosper spirit so embody, not something that a lot of ministers have turned it into, oh, you hear the word prosperity. It's like me cussing up here. Don't you think the devil loves taking what we know, he knows is a truth we need and tarnishing it? What's he done with sex? What's he done with marriage? What's he done with family? And yes, what's he done with church? When we let a piece of cloth be the strongest article in the church, it's sad. I hope you hear me. Make a careful exploration of what, who you are. Look now, the conjunction and the work. Everybody say work. You have been given. Now, the word work is part of the root word of energeo, and I won't get into all that, but it talks about continuously action, action, action. To work, you have been given. If you haven't explored yourself, you don't know the work God's given you. You see, the reason average is mediocre, it's like people trying to say, well, I'm going to live a balanced life. You might as well say, I'm going to live a meaningless, mediocre life. Well, you know, I'm going to be balanced in my health. I want to be balanced in my finances. I want to be balanced in my ministry. I want to be balanced with my kids. I want to be balanced with my time. How can you be balanced in 12 things at one time? You can't. But what you can do is have balance in those areas, but certain times you're putting a huge thrust into those areas. Just like when you're getting an education or you're starting a business or you're working to get a promotion, to get a financial increase, to get your family out of debt, or you're, you're being really aggressive to, to not go into debt and to pay extra down and work extra. You don't want to work extra 15 hours the rest of your life, but you can do it for six months to get out of debt. So what do you do? You, you really push to get to that next level in that. Same way with your family. There's sometimes, man, you got to pull away from work. you got to pull away from everything and dive into your family and bring healing and bring relationship and bring confidence and to bring trust and to bring... Is anybody with me? Say thrive. thrive. Thriving is when I become God's creation that is redeemed by God and I use that influence to bring redemption to others. The Bible is a book of redemption. Purchasing back. That's what it means, buying back. Jesus gave his life to buy us back. 
We're here. When we've been redeemed, we have a debt to pay to buy others back, to win the lost, and to love the ones we want, not to argue with them, not to judge them. Let me tell you what thriving's not. James 2, verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, talk to the church, if someone claims to have faith, ooh, have faith, but has no deeds. Can faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If any one of you, brothers and sisters, says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well fed. You were a great server and leave a track, but no tip. But anyway, God bless you. They have no food, no clothes. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? I'll tell you what, it's worse than not good, it's bad. Because if you claim to be a Christian, you just made it look like God didn't care about their needs. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. In other words, it doesn't exist. But think about that. He's saying faith is more than knowing and trusting God for yourself. Faith is meeting the needs of others, their physical needs, their clothing, their food, other things, welfare, helping them. If you want to influence someone, meet a need for them, and then they'll listen to what you've got to say. So James is telling us that thriving isn't about what you know but it's more about what you know and do. What are you doing with what you know? Well, let me give you a Jesus example. Anybody want a Jesus example? That was a James example. Let me give you a Jesus example. And I'm going to give you a verse that's been preached one-sided, which it's truth what was preached, but it's only half preached. I hate a half-preached verse, Paul. I just hate that. Acts 10, 38. Let's look at it. So what are we talking about? We're talking about why we exist. We're talking about why does God want us to thrive? If I don't believe, I don't think anyone in here does not believe that God cannot make you rich, make you healthy. Actually, the Bible says make you rich with no sorrow. No sorrow, that, that God cannot make, help you to have the greatest family on the planet, the greatest relationship, the healthiest mind, the healthiest body. Does anybody in here believe he doesn't have the power to do that for you? No. Anybody out there, do you believe that? Of course not. So we don't believe, we don't have a problem believing what God can do. We just have, here's your issue. My issue at times too. Why would God do that for me? See, we always, our expectancy is low when we don't know why. I know God could make me wealthy and debt-free and healthy and help me to win people to the Lord and help me to be an influencer for God and for goodness. I know what he can do and probably even how he could do it, but if I don't believe the why he would do it for me, then I'm not going to do it. So we got to break that over our head. we got to get rid of that story, man. You'll never have a new story till you have a new strategy. You got to change your strategy. And to change your story, 
then it'll change your state, your energy, where you're at, what you believe, what you're trying to be good. Acts 10, 38. Jesus is our example for why. <clears throat> says, and you know that God ordained Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Does anybody believe that? Say yes. Okay, we believe he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, don't we? Because we saw him raise the dead, heal the sick, all that. Then, everybody say then. See, this is an important word. That's, that's three of you. Say then. then. Say then. then. So it was at the end, right? Oh, I'm a Christian. Ooh, I'm filled with the Spirit. I got a prayer language. Ooh, I can quote scripture. Yee. Yee. All the way home. Counting your toes. I don't care what you know till I know how much you care. You know, the Holy Ghost could take our bank account and look through our electronic checking and see what we care about. Holy Ghost could take your schedule and your time and see what you care about. Holy Ghost could see who we've spent time with and tell what we care about. And we're in our prayers, oh, Lord, you know I love you. Please, please help my family. He said, I will when you help my family. So thriving it's not doing my will, it's doing his will, but his will is even greater than I could even expect, remember? It says, I don't expect enough. The only one that can limit you is you. That's it, nobody else. You. And you know that God anointed Jesus after the Holy Spirit. Right? Then, everybody say then. Jesus went, oh, he did. He got out of the church and he got out of his comfy chair at work and he got out of his pretty new car or truck or off his fishing boat or off his private club or off that great position where everybody knows his name or out of that cozy home with a beautiful, perfect yard. Oh. Then Jesus went around. Here's the two words that's going to rock you today. Doing good. Yeah. What? What do you mean? Yeah, I know you're supposed to do good. Oh, do you? Better be careful what you know, because in that day you will be judged. <laughs> Doing good. And, everybody say and. Yeah. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was with him. Isn't it interesting it didn't say, and he went about healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, doing good? It said he was doing good and. See, we'll preach the part about God wants to save you. God wants to set you free, drug addict. Oh, God wants to change your life. Oh, God wants you out of that gay homosexual relationship. Oh, the Lord wants you married, not living together. Yeah, I say the Lord don't want you to miss church unless there's a clause in there that you can get off for a week. No, no, brothers and sisters. It's not a or, an if, or a but. Doing good and. If you want to walk in a great anointing, do good. I'll just sacrifice. I'll pray and fast. It hasn't changed you yet. You still lie. You still honry. Still lust. Yes, you should pray and fast. And then, 
If all I do is pray and fast and there's no then, I get goofy. I don't respect authority. I know more than everybody else and maybe even God. You can pray and fast and study the Word and get weird. Probably weird to start with, but get weirder. But if you pray and fast and then, everybody say then. Do good. Everybody say do good. I'm telling you what thriving is now, you, you know. Around doing good and healing all that were pressed down. So this scripture is usually emphasized talking about the same anointing that was on Jesus, right? In Luke 4, what? To heal the brokenhearted, to, to set the captives free, to open blind eyes and all that. The year of Jubilee, appointed time. And when we talk about the healing, we talk about the deliverance, and we should, it's good. And we talk about stuff, we should. But none of that matters if we're not doing good. None of that matters if we're not doing good, people. Doing good. I'm going to rock you here. Doing good is obviously distinct from healing the sickness, right? It's mentioned separately. So, yeah, heal someone's good. But God emphasized them separately in the same. In the Greek language, the phrase doing good comes from a Greek word, erigatio, erigato, or erigatio. And you know what it means? This, this is going to change some of your lives forever. You, you will never be the same after you hear the definition of what doing good here means in the Scripture. This is the original language of the Bible that it was in, not translated after King James and everybody else. This is what the original manuscript, here, after it came from Aramaic Greek, this is it. Doing good in the Greek, erigatio, it means benefactor, or philanthropist. Benefactor or that's a beneficiary getting things or, or what? A philanthropist. One who financially supports charitable works. What a shame we have people that deny God and they give billions of dollars to charity and we wonder why people look up to them more than they do preachers. Why they look up to them more than they do church people. What it said here, Jesus healed the sick, set the captives free, and he was a philanthropist. A philanthropist. He did charitable deeds and gave his goods. I don't know, preacher. You know, you're supposed to be poor, broke, sick, and tired. That's why everybody's sick and tired of being around you. And you, and you, and you, and you. You don't want me around anybody that's not sick and tired because they'd be above you. So you all together, everybody together. See, if Jesus was so broke, why did he have a treasure? Why did Jesus have a treasure? So if you think I'm preaching to you to give more money, see, you, you just not even, you're not even zoned in. You might as well turn your, your TV off, your computer, just turn your mind off in here for a few minutes because. I'm trying to get you to a place where you understand why you are to thrive. It's not about me. It's about us. So, 
when we say that Jesus went about being a philanthropist. And healing the sick. And setting the captive. Because who wants to come to your meetings if they don't believe you care about them? What did James say about faith? What good is it? Oh, be well, brother. Let me pray for you to be held, but I'll let you leave hungry, stressed out, financially in debt. How many of you, if you did not have any financial debt, could do so much more for hurting people around you and you would love, it's your heart to give to hurting people? How many? If it's you online, say yes. That's all of us, right? We all want to give more. But we have an excuse, and it's not valid. Well, I can't give what I don't have. No, you can't give what you don't get because God said you're not expecting enough. You're not reaching for enough. You're not believing for enough. Well, I don't have any time. If you're in debt, you don't even have time. It's not about money. You don't have time to serve anybody. You don't have time to go clothe them or educate them or feed them. And we complain about politics and the government, and we send more than our tithe to that, but we don't even get ourselves financially free enough so that we can make the church great in the earth, the kingdom great in the earth, that, that it's bigger than Microsoft. It has more effect on charitable donations than Microsoft or than Apple or than Amazon. We'll support those ministries. When God called you to be Bill Gates, God called you to be Scott Bezos, he called you to be a philanthropist. Take the wealth of the wicked and to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and bring healing and Bring them into medical services and counseling and education. So much you could do. But if you don't expect it, you don't get it. Hmm. Doing good. Being a philanthropist. Think about that. Jesus performed supernatural works. We know that. Many of you, like me, perform supernatural works. But I haven't got to write a $100,000 check yet. I haven't got to write a million-dollar check. for One of my dreams has always been to build uh, an addiction recovery center that would not separate the families. It would have, especially for women, there's not as many for women, and have it for the women and then have it over here for men. But then when they could come together and they're both at a state of being more healed and more ready, have another property they can go to as a couple back with their kids. Because, you see, there's so much rewarding for being separate than there is to come together. The church knows better, and the Christian organizations know better, but they don't have the financial means to do it. I mean, what's your dream? I got a dream of doing that. I got a dream like Miss Kathy, man, feeding a million pounds of food, doing whatever it takes to help the hurting and broken. But, but see, it's good to have dreams, but that's all they are. They're just a dream. They're probably not even hope anymore. But what is your dream? What is your hope? What are you shooting for? What are you going for? What, what, what are you giving God to work with? Thrive. I mean, you look at it. 
I said, nothing less than a double. And not counting the people online, 17 families in this room said, I've already had a double increase. And we're only eight months into the year. Double increase in finances. Double. That's on a word. And it hit their heart and they took it. Now, what if those 17 families take it to a whole nother level 10 times, 20 times? You say, well, that's just selfish. Depends on what they do with it. It's not selfish if they pay for your child to be in a drug rehab center. It's not selfish if they pay for your daughter's surgeries. It's not, 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 not selfish if they pay for your child's education. I don't know. I thought this was going to be more positive. <laughs> I'm just hitting you and running, baby. You know, Parker, you got to clean this up next week, son. You be the, I'll be the bad cop. You be the good cop. You, you got to be more like your mother next Sunday, not like your daddy, son. Because he can do both, believe me. He can do both. Jesus used financial resources as well as miracles, signs, and wonders to bring healing. Jesus cared for the poor. He fed the hungry. Jesus uh, uh, knew the purpose for the treasure he had. I mean, it's so funny. The church is so stinking stingy. It really is. Here Jesus is. Here Jesus is. And he knows he's getting ready to be taken and crucified. Here, this lovely prostitute that got saved and delivered brings a year of frankincense, perfumes, and oils worth it would a year's wages to buy what she went into these hypocrites, religious hypocrites' place of residence, spiritual leaders, I mean, and started bathing him from his feet up till he was soaked in it. And they're over here going, What's he doing? That's even some of his own disciples. Well, what, but you know, that could be a year of missions right there. That, that could, that'd be a year you wouldn't have to believe for anything, I guess. Oh? That'd be a year, you know, to, to feed them. Next time we're out by the Sea of Galilee, at least feed them for a day and look at him. And Jesus read there. He said, I know your heart. He should have said, You're stingy, rebellious hypocrites. What he should have said. I mean, he said it similar in that day, I guess, but. Because, because we're too busy looking at what we don't have or what we might lose than we are doing and using what we have. And Jesus said, I, the bride is only with you for a season, then, then they're gone. I'll be gone. She's doing what's honorable in anointing me. You see, every time you feed a hungry person, you're anointing Jesus. Every time you help a, a single mom or a dad out of work pay the electric bill, you're anointing Jesus. Every time you go fix, you know, a single mom's garage, you're, you're anointing Jesus. Everyone you give something you could pay for some mental health or, or, or spiritual reclamation to, to a, an addict, you're, you're, you're anointing Jesus. Every time you reach out and touch a child and love them in a positive way, you're anointing Jesus. You see, just like she anointed Jesus in front of all of them, they didn't get it. And I, I'm afraid right now, I'm concerned with the body of Christ right now. We're so concerned on what we don't have and we can't get together, what we can do and we can't do. Are we anointing Jesus? Distracted, discouraged, depart. The Holy Spirit would not be where the division is. So that's why when the ones that are divided, he just lets them go on. 
But see, you got to understand something. We, are we anointing Jesus? Every time we minister, every time we help, every time we reach out, that's what we're doing. He used the money that was available to his ministry to do that. The, Holy, the anointing of the Holy Spirit works to remove the burden of hunger just as much as the burden of cancer. It, it, it works just to move, remove the burden of addiction and drug addiction and sex addiction and all that just as it does leukemia or diabetes. It works just as good paying to help someone be trained or educated to become literate as it does, you know, healing a broken bone. Are we anointing Jesus? You see, if I want to understand the why behind thriving, I got to understand. Now, when I get a vision of why, like David understood the why of the covenant with God when he stood against Goliath. He didn't go because of what he had or how he could do it. He fought that giant on the why he existed and on his purpose. I tell you what, your dream is bigger than any devil you're facing. The promise on your life is greater than any problem you're even afraid to pop up someday. Your faith is greater than any fear that can be thrown at you. Question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Say, I believe it for you, but do you believe it? Ephesians 5, verse 11 and verse 16 in the message. <clears throat> Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. So spending your energy on what you can or can't do, is that useful? Or ministering and loving and helping someone that's hurting or broken? <clears throat> I want to ask everyone today, everyone watching, join us today, everyone here. Do you have a better understanding of doing good? Think about it when it's not your business and it's God's business. You see, I know a bunch of these people raised their hands, either were in business or started new businesses or had new businesses and started new businesses. And I know them personally, for the most part, and been involved somewhere in there to know enough about their business or pray or help or whatever. And I know every one of them gave it to God. People in here that's gotten double in their workplace have given it to God. You see, they realize it's co-missioning. What happens when your business becomes your ministry? And you become a philanthropist to hire more people, to pay them better wages and give them better influences, uh, better, uh, whatever you call it, benefits, help their kids, maybe pay their kids education, college. What happens when you can go write a check to pay a widow's house off? Is that ministry? Or you have the time to go give four days a week to praying and loving people, working one day a week and making more than you did the other five because that's your ministry. See, you got to get a mindset like Jesus. We're in his image and likeness. We need to be a philanthropist. That doesn't mean, you, you know, you're a trillionaire, billionaire, nothing. No, it means that you meet your quota of what you expect and even more 
of how you can be give the charitable charitably away to others, whether it's your time, your money, your gifts, your talents. It's like you said, well, I'd love to tutor kids, but I don't have the time. Well, why don't you pay a good Christian retired teacher that would help them out and pay them to tutor some students? You see, you, you just got to think of a higher way. You got to have a higher plan, a bigger plan. Remember, what you're thinking is not big enough. And when you begin to get the revelation of why you have it, God will find ways to get it in your hands. He'll find ways to get more time on your table. He'll find more ways to give you wisdom to help in relationships. He'll find more ways for you to be healed and walking in strength and might because he needs you on the earth. Because the harvest is plenteous. But the laborers are few. 